Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part two of his teaching, Healing is Yours. All right, praise the Lord. We're going to continue our series today called Healing is Yours. Amen. And this will be part two, Healing in the Redemption. And again, the reason we're doing this series now is to confront the fear and the panic that has really overwhelmed the world because of COVID-19. So my goal in this series is to point the people of God back to the Word, back to the promises of God when it comes to the healing of your bodies. Amen. So what exactly does redemption mean? I feel like I need to give you a definition of redemption because this is called healing in the redemption. You need to know what the redemption is. First of all, I like to use the term redemption over the term atonement because atonement to me describes how under the law, before Jesus came, atonement for sin was made by the shedding of animal blood and it was done to cover sin for a limited period of time. Redemption to me is a better term because it literally means to buy back someone or something from bondage. And we're going to see this morning that through the blood of Jesus, He paid the price to buy us back from sin, sickness, disease, and death. Amen. So to me, redemption is not just a covering of sin. It's a complete washing away, a complete removal, a complete obliteration of sin, sickness, disease, and death. Amen? So what gives me the right to squeeze sickness and disease in between sin and death? Well, hear me out. When Adam fell in the garden, he allowed sin to enter into this world system. And when sin came in, sickness, disease, and death came in on its heels. Isn't that right? Let me show you that in the Word. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, New King James. Romans 5, 12, New King James. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that's talking about Adam, when he sinned, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Now that's talking about all mankind, so it's men and women. So when Adam sinned, Sickness, disease, and death came into the world, and that sin of Adam was passed through the bloodline to every human being that came into the earth, amen, except for Jesus Christ. He was a special case. So you still haven't told us how you can squeeze sickness and disease in between sin and death. You know, it's not in that scripture. Well, I'm telling you that it is, and I want you to follow my logic. F.F. Bosworth a healing evangelist from the early 20th century. He said it like this, sickness and disease are incipient death or gradual death. And what he meant by that is that if sickness and disease are left unchecked in our bodies, either by our immune system, by medicine, or by the power of God, it will eventually end in death. You can get a cold. If you don't get rid of that cold, It can progress to pneumonia, and it can kill you. Amen. Just one example. 
So it's logical and it's scriptural to say that when sin came into the world, sickness, disease, and death came into the world. Because sin was allowed into the earth, man died spiritually. He became subject to sickness and disease and eventually experienced physical death. Let me show you that in the Word. Genesis 2.17, New King James Version. Now here, a little background is in order. God told Adam and Eve, in this garden, you can eat the fruit of any tree in this garden whatsoever, except for the one in the center, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we'll pick it up there in verse 17. God said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You know, that last phrase, you shall surely die, is actually better translated, in dying, you shall die. In other words, God was telling Adam and Eve that if they ever ate of that fruit, they would first die spiritually, and in dying, they would die eventually physically. Amen. But praise God, the good news is Jesus came as the answer to our dilemma. And through his sacrifice, through his work on the cross, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, Jesus bought back everything that mankind lost in the fall. Amen. Let me show you that in the Word. Luke 19.10, New King James. Jesus speaking here. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 John 3, 8, New King James. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. You could say Jesus came to earth on a seek and destroy mission. Amen. As a former military officer. I like the sound of that. You know, he came to seek and to save what was lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to play patty cake with the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus paid the price for a complete salvation. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Because of what he did, our spirits can be reborn, our our minds, our souls can be transformed, and our bodies can be healed. Amen. And eventually, we can progress from going from one healing to another healing to another healing to the point where we get the Word of God so down into our heart and so much a part of us that we just live in health. We live in health. Third John 2, I don't have a slide for it, but Third John 2 John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. That's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? Yet people still believe that it's not God's will for you to be well. You know, we kicked off the series last week with God wants you well. Now we're going to talk about the lengths to which he went to make sure on that promise. Amen. Glory to God. There's another promise. Again, I don't have a slide for this, but I just felt like including this. Exodus 23, 25, and 26. It says, 
and you shall bless the Lord, and he shall bless your bread and your water. And listen to this, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in thy land. That, that means even the animals wouldn't have miscarriages or be barren. And the last thing he says is the number of thy days I will fulfill. And I'm telling you here today, he wants to fulfill your days free of sickness and disease. Amen. So do I. So do we all. We need to stand on the word. We need to receive that. Listen, just because I'm getting a little older, I am not going to say at this age I can expect these things to go wrong with my body. Not what I got a man called Moses who's 120 and it says his natural strength was not abated and his eyesight was not dimmed. I'm reaching for that in the name of Jesus. I may not want to live to 120, but I sure want my eyesight and I sure want my natural strength to increase as I grow older. You know, there's a promise to the tribe of Asher that says, as your days so shall your strength be. In other words, when you get older, you're going to get stronger. Amen. I believe it and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, some of you younger people, you, maybe you're not holding that as, 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 as tightly as some of us older people are. By the way, I have a definition for old that I shared with a buddy of mine on the phone yesterday. I said, old is your present age plus 10. Man, those people are old, you know. That way, old is always put out there beyond you. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. That's not a dad joke. That's just a cornball joke. And what's the difference? I don't know. All right, I want to talk about three foundational truths concerning sickness and disease. It's going to be kind of the outline of this course, or this, uh, not this course, but this session in the series. Number one, Satan is the author of sickness and disease. God can't give you the flu because he doesn't have it. Amen. Number two, Jesus died to redeem us from sickness and disease. And number three, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll begin with number one. Satan is the author of sickness and disease. Now, whether it's the work of an evil spirit or the result of the fallen world in which we live, Satan is ultimately responsible for it all. You know, over there in Luke chapter 13, verse 11 and 16, I don't have a slide for this, just hear me out. It talks about a woman who'd been bowed over with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years, evidently some type of crippling arthritis where she walked around, bent over, and could not lift herself up. And Jesus saw her on the Sabbath, and he turned to all of his critics, and he said, Ought not this woman whom Satan has bound these 18 years, be freed from her bondage on the Sabbath day. And he said, be healed, put his hand on her, and she was healed, and she stood up straight for the first time in 18 years. Amen. In that case, her condition was, a, was directly due to a spirit of infirmity that was in her body. And it had to be dealt with first before she could be healed. There's another example in Mark chapter 1. 
verse 17 through 28, where a man with a deaf and dumb spirit, Jesus came up to him. He cast out the spirit of infirmity, and he could hear and he could speak because the root cause was dealt with, a spirit of infirmity. Amen. I have a personal experience that I, I can share along those lines back when Trish and I were living in Minden, we were going to Live in Word Worship Center. The pastor was very gracious to allow me to preach from the pulpit very often. And I often preached on healing. And on a Sunday night, I was preaching, God wants you well, which was last week's session. Amen. There's something about when you preach that and you convince people that it is his will for you to be healed. Faith rises and people get healed. That night was no exception. I had a healing line that stretched from one end of the altar to the other end, and I laid hands on every single one of them. Sometimes they received instant manifestations. Not every time, but sometimes they did. And it was just a glorious night. God was just setting people free. People were being healed. And I got about two-thirds down the line, and there was a woman there. She was 27 years old, she told me. She had three boys, single mom, and she said, I've been deaf in my left ear. Since I was two years old, so 25 years, she said, I've never heard a peep. I've never heard a thing out of this ear. I'm completely deaf, and the doctors say they can't do anything to help me. So I started praying for her the way that I did for everyone else. I prayed a prayer. I spoke the word. I believed that they received. I believed that she received. I was praying the same way I was for everybody else. And it seemed like it was just all my prayers, all my declarations, all my scripture quotations were just bouncing back at me. I was like, what is going on? And all of a sudden I heard in my spirit, I heard the Lord say, she has a spirit of infirmity. If you don't deal with that spirit, she will not be healed. So I argued with the Lord for a few minutes there. I'm like, hey, Pastor Bill, you know, if I start casting out devils in his service, I don't know if he'll ever let me preach again. And it was like the Lord said, would you rather never preach again or disobey me? I'm like, well, you put it like that. I better obey you. So what I did is I took my right forefinger. I stuck it in her left ear. Only reason I did that is I saw a healing evangelist do that one time on TV. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I stuck my finger in her left ear, and then I said boldly and loudly, I shouted, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of deafness, come out. Her ear popped open immediately. She heard for the first time in 25 years. It pays to listen to the Holy Spirit because not every condition is the same. Every once in a while, you'll come across a spirit of infirmity, and you have to deal with it. Amen? Amen. All right, so that's one way uh, Satan is responsible for sickness, disease, his direct involvement. But even, even just the, the fallen world, amen? Uh, because we live in a fallen world, the world and its inhabitants are subject to corruption. You know, congenital birth defects and Communicable diseases, for example. God's not the author of those things. Satan is. Amen. It's only through the finished work of the redemption that we can reverse the curse in our lives and in our world. You know, the fact that sin and sickness are related can be seen in the following passage. The fact that they come from the same source can be seen in the following passage. Mark chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. 
Mark 2, 9 through 11, New King James Version. Now, this is the story of the four men who took their friend who was a paralytic to the house of Peter in Capernaum where a major healing outbreak was occurring. I like healing outbreaks rather than sickness and disease outbreaks. Amen. But healing was on in Peter's house, and they couldn't get in the front door. They couldn't get in the back door. They couldn't get any of the windows. So finally, they climbed up on the roof and lowered this man down at the feet of Jesus. And this is what Jesus said here. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Amen. I love that story. You know, here, both sin and sickness were dealt with by the man who came to destroy the works of the devil. And here's the thing you can learn from that passage. The same power that can save you from your sins can heal your sickness and disease. Amen. Amen. Number two. Jesus died to redeem us from sickness and disease. Remember, redeem means to buy back from. Amen. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. We're going to camp here for a little bit. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 in the King James Version. We're going to read through it once and then we're going to unpack it because it's just full of revelation. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. This is a prophecy of Isaiah spoken over Jesus and his healing ministry 700 years before he was born. Verse 4 says, surely means truly. You can bank on it. You can count on it. Surely. He hath borne our griefs. The word there translated griefs is actually better translated sicknesses. And carried our sorrows actually is better translated as pains. So that first verse, the first part of that first verse says, Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We didn't know he did all this for us. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's talking about your sin. So right off the bat, we see sickness and disease and sins taken care of through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen? How about this? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. You ever think about that? That when Jesus was hanging on that cross... He purchased for you peace of mind about everything. He bought you back from constant worry and anxiety. And finally, to cap it off, Isaiah says, and with his stripes, we are healed. And that's talking about physical healing. And I say that because there's a lot of preachers and teachers out there, a lot of churches that teach that that's just talking about spiritual healing. It has nothing to do with the healing of your physical body. Amen. But as I've said many times, God is eminently logical. 
And there's an easy way to show that this is not the case. So let's read from Matthew, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, King James Version. This is Matthew's account of that same night where the guy got healed, the men that lowered him down through the roof, same night. Matthew's talking about that same night in Peter's house in Capernaum when people were getting healed all through the night. It says, When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. He didn't leave anybody out. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Amen. If Isaiah is not talking about physical healing, then the Holy Ghost and Matthew are incorrect in the New Testament in saying that Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities, means weaknesses, and bare our sicknesses. So that point of view does not hold up under the full counsel of God. Amen? Because Matthew is telling his story. He is quoting Isaiah in the middle of a healing revival when people are getting delivered, people are getting set free, and people are getting healed all around him. And he's saying, this is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Chapter 53, verse 4 and 5. Only they didn't have chapters But you know what I mean. Amen. Glory to God. So to say that Isaiah was speaking of only spiritual healing, as we said in the military, just doesn't pass the smell test. Amen. So let's talk about the stripes that Isaiah mentions in Isaiah 53.5. I want to read from Matthew 27.26. This is the story of when Jesus was being tried by Pontius Pilate, and he presented to the people Barabbas, a murderer, and then Jesus Christ, and they got to pick which one would be set free, and they chose Barabbas, and then Jesus had to face what Pilate had in store for him. So that's where this this verse begins. Verse 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, a lot of people sort of gloss over that, but that scourging was extremely violent. There was a long cord, and leather thongs came out from the cord, and they said it was a cat of nine tails. There were nine of these these leather thongs that came out that had pieces of bone and glass and nails and things like that uh, sewed into or woven into the end of those thongs. So literally, they would get whipped, and once those things grabbed a hold of your flesh, then they would jerk it back, and pieces of your back and blood vessels and blood would splatter everywhere. It was very, very violent. Amen. You know, the Bible says Jesus took many stripes upon his back, and it's my view that he took, he took stripes all the way from the top of his head all the way down to his heels. His whole backside, not just his back, his whole backside was filled with stripes. You know, many people believe that Jesus got 40 stripes save one, 39 stripes. That was Jewish law. And I'm okay with that because some people marry that up with the fact that there are, there are 39 categories of major diseases. And so they say Jesus took a stripe for every one of them. But the Romans had no such restrictions. 
they could literally flail someone until they died, until they collapsed and their heart stopped. That's how violent these stripes were. And I believe one of the reasons Jesus died so quickly on the cross, you remember the thieves on either side, they had to have their legs broken so that they would die, but Jesus was already dead. I think it was because they took an extra mile and scourged Jesus worse than anybody else they had scourged before. Amen. So I'm ready to believe the 39 stripes if that's what you want to believe, but I lean towards so many stripes that you couldn't distinguish one stripe from another. Amen. It was that violent. All right. But here's the bottom line. I can assure you he took more than enough stripes to purchase the healing of our bodies and fulfill Isaiah 53.5. By his stripes we are healed. Amen. All right. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. This is Peter also quoting from Isaiah. Peter says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That sounds very, very similar to Isaiah 53.5. The only difference is Isaiah was looking forward to the cross, and he said, By his stripes we are healed. Now Peter's looking backward to the cross, and he's saying, by his stripes, we were healed. It's an accomplished thing. It's already been bought and paid for. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, so Peter says, by whose stripes you were healed. I want to draw your attention to that word healed. In the Greek Septuagint, which is basically the Old Testament, translated from Hebrew into Greek, which is what they used back in Jesus' day. The same word that's translated healed in Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes we are healed, is the same word that Peter says here, by whose stripes you were healed. It's the very same Greek word. And I won't try to pronounce it, but I'll tell you something about it. That word is a verb that is used 28 times in the New Testament, and it always refers to bodily healing. I'm making the case that the stripes were laid for physical healing not spiritual healing. Amen. Finally, the word for stripes there, by his stripes, same word in both cases. Same word in Isaiah 53, uh, 5, and same word in 1 Peter 2, 24. And that word actually means bruise. Bruise. The word translated stripes actually means bruise. So why bruise and not bruises? Or why bruise instead of stripes? Well, here's my take based on everything I've learned in the Scriptures and some other historical documents I've read where people were eyewitnesses of crucifixions and also scourgings. I believe Jesus took such a terrible scourging on the backside of his entire body that no one stripe could be distinguished from the other. The wounds on his backside looked like one huge stripe or bruised, mangled, torn bloodied and battered flesh. Listen, if he paid such a terrible price for the healing of our bodies, it's an insult to Jesus and to the Father to say anything uninformed about it. If you don't understand, just keep it to yourself. But don't, don't be saying that those stripes weren't for the healing of our physical bodies because I've shown you already there's abundant proof that they were. So Christians need to watch their mouths 
and guard their hearts. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by saying things like, those stripes were only for spiritual healing. It's not intellectually honest. It's not considering the whole counsel of God. Amen. I'm getting off my soapbox. Number three, our last point. We're on the home stretch here, and we'll have a little bit of fun with this. Fun? We're going to talk about the curse of the law. Number three, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You know, when Moses gave the law of God to the people of Israel, he repeated the blessings of the blessings of obedience in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, and the curses of disobedience to the law in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. So there's a whole lot more curses than there are blessings. Amen. So I'm not going to read all of Deuteronomy 28 because there's uh, like 68 verses. Amen. We're going to read uh, selected passages so you get a gist or a feel of what's being talked about. Remember, the first 14 verses are all the blessings that are associated with following the law of God. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 through 3. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Amen. I like that. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. And blessed shalt thou be in the field. Amen. And it goes on and on and on, down through verse 14. That's some good news. But we get to verse 15 and we find out the opposite. These are the curses associated with disobeying the laws of God. Verse 15 says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he starts listing the curses. Skip on down to verse 21 and 22. The Lord shall make... Now, there's some funny words in here, and uh, I don't even know what half these things are, but I'm telling you, they sound bad. All right. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee. Pestilence means like bugs and stuff sticking to you. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he have consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning. Well, that sounds really bad. And with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Not sounding real good here. Skip on down to verse 27. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt. Boy, that just really sounds bad. The botch of Egypt. And with emeralds. Now, I do know what that's talking about. That's talking about hemorrhoids. And with the scab and with the itch, whereof thou canst not be healed. Bad enough these things are happening to you, but you can't be healed. Verse 28 says, The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. It gets worse. Go down to verse 60. 60 and 61. Listen to this. This is the crux of what I want you to see here in this last point. 
Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave or stick unto thee. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Amen. There's whole sections there in Deuteronomy 28 where he talks about all different kinds of diseases. And now he caps it off by saying, and oh, by the way, if we missed one, if we didn't mention one, every sickness and every disease known unto man will come on you if you don't obey the law of the Lord. Amen. So all of that is pretty bad news, is it not? Anybody want any of that action? I don't think we got any takers for that. But Galatians 3.13 is the best news we could ever get. Galatians 3.13, New King James says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. All those curses I just read to you, Christ has redeemed us from all of those curses, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Amen. Praise God, Jesus hung on that tree, that cross, to redeem us from the curse of the law. He took the curse upon himself. Amen. And if sickness and disease were a part of that curse, then he took them on himself also for us. Amen. So let me wrap it up by saying this. Healing for our bodies as well as forgiveness for our sins, have been purchased for us by the completed work of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. Amen. Healing is a blessing of the redemption. Let me leave you with this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 in the King James Version. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? And you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. Did you know that more than just your spirit and soul belong to God? Your body belongs to God. He paid a price for your body. Because even if you, you pass away in this life and your body goes into the ground or is cremated or whatever, and you go to be with Jesus, one day, we don't have time to go into this, you're coming back for that body, and it's going to be a brand new body, incorruptible, indestructible, immortal. Amen. And he already paid the price for it. If he's got that in store for you, don't you think he can care for your body while you're going through this life? I like to think about it like this. I say this all the time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and sharing this temple with me, my body. I realize you guys are fellow tenants, but you're also my landlords. And I trust you to take care of your property. Amen. That means taking care of any sickness or disease that tries to come into my body. I'm leaving it to my landlords to take care of. Amen. Because they live in you. You know, it says that in Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. And if we're in Christ, then you can say that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you bodily. Amen? That's why I speak 
to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as if they're in me, not out there in the distance. Amen. I know they've got a form in heaven, but they're also by the Holy Spirit in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. So with all that in mind, with all that in mind, take care of your body, for it was purchased with a great price. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of Dr. Forrest's message, Healing is Yours. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.